Welcome to the Dopa Podcast, fueling conversations around creative wellness and turning negative barriers into positive tools for mental success. Brought to you by the Departments of Proactiveness and your host, Alex Normanton. Joining me today is CC Wildeck, Head of Creative Development at Massive Music Amsterdam. We discuss how to turn the industry bullshit and bravado into a more bolder and collaborative way of working. Cece, thank you for allowing us into your home this afternoon, this absolutely stunning, beautiful, sunshiny day in what I would call a sunshine alpine ski lodge. It is gorgeous. It's exactly what we were going for. I just want to say thank you, Alex, for having me uh, on your podcast. I've been listening to the previous three episodes and I've really enjoyed listening to it, actually. So thanks for having me. Thanks for making the time available because I know you're incredibly busy. There's a lot of BS in the creative industry and potentially even more within the advertising in- industry. Some people may comment and say from overly self-inflated personas, the love of verbal diarrhea, um, the love of over-talking, over-selling, the pay gap, fake it till you make it mentality, the lack of diversity through to female representation. It's an absolutely colossal subject. We're going to obviously not be able to talk about all that as a topic because it's very detailed. But what we can do is just talk about a few things from your experience in your career and certain things that you've observed and really just to get your opinion on uh, these things that we come up against in a day-to-day level. So kicking off with a question, why do you think there's so much bs and bravado and fake confidence in the advertising scene i came from the music industry which is known for its bullshit not necessarily always its talent when i when i started in the industry come up to four years ago now i came in with a really fresh vision a fresh uh, new uh, perspective because i didn't have advertising experience i come from the music business mm-hmm. so my my viewpoints were completely different quickly realized how competitive the market was or is um and it's overly saturated especially in amsterdam it's one of the biggest um advertising creative hubs in europe freelance producers creatives uh agencies production companies popping up every other week i had to learn how to maneuver amongst lots of big egos mm-hmm. lots of very talented and knowledgeable people I really had to ignore all of that and try to be unaffected as possible and just come at it with this, I guess, naivety. Mm-hmm. I can see that people are really fighting for their voice to be heard. And a lot of the time they're um, trying to overshout each other rather than actually try to talk to each other and work it out together. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I discovered quite quickly. I had to push through to have my opinion recognized Mm -hmm. especially when meeting a lot of new people in the industry they didn't know who I was they already have their own opinions and their own preferences when it comes to music so why listen to me but actually what I found super interesting is that a lot of my clients still now have no idea that I had a band back in the UK have been in the music industry for pretty much my entire life I sing and I write because they never ask they just assume okay music company I know what I like. I've already worked with um, 
massive before. You can't possibly add anything new to my knowledge rather than just a new person, a new perspective. Um, let's have a fun, open conversation about music. You know, fuck the industry. What do you like listening to? Where's a good place to go to a gig around here? I mean, of course, not now with COVID, but, you know, it was it was trying to open up the conversation in a different way and just talk about music in general and people's preferences. And, and, and it was difficult. Fundamentally, it's about collaboration. And sometimes the best work comes out of collaboration, knowing the individual, knowing what they like, knowing what they dislike, knowing where are those gigs or those new albums that are coming out to inspire new trains of thoughts. It's about relationship, isn't it? Rather than having a transactional, we need this by then. I don't care what you think. It has to be this. There's no maneuverability. And that's the budget, unfortunately. So you're going to have to figure it out. That's a very different conversation to you have time. These are the references. Really want to know your opinion. What would you do? You're the specialists. That's a very different outcome, I guess, in, in a project. And it's it's difficult, actually, when when things do become transactional, yeah. which I, I found a lot. There's two different relationships going on. There's the people that see you as a supplier, which are the relationships which I find very difficult because you're hired and you all know this as a creative you are hired because you think that people want you for your voice in that field, whether it's design, whether it's um, direction, whether it's musical voice, because they respect you and they want you involved in the project. But then when it becomes transactional and they just tell you what they want and when you don't deliver, they you they just have to keep, they keep re making revisions, they keep diluting the process in a way. It, it's not a collaboration. Mm -hmm. It's that supplier mindset. And everyone needs to be moving away from that into a more uh, creative collaboration mindset. Because there are so many talented people mm. around and we can be creating incredible things if we open up and take down those guards. Yeah. Sorry to say this, but as creative directors and ECDs, that you don't have to know everything. Yeah. And you can let people into your process and start creating together. Yeah, that's totally valid. I was just thinking back to a couple of occasions there, especially in terms of fake confidence, when, you know, those ECDs or CDs or just creatives in general are working in an area that they don't necessarily have loads of knowledge in, but they're pretending to for the sake of keeping up the bravado or that self-confidence or that fake confidence even, so they don't appear to look underknowledged, if that's the word, in that area. And I don't know why that is actually, because I think you're, as a creative, you're involving people in different disciplines, as you say, music, design, mm. art, um, film direction, editing, post-production, coloring, all that stuff. You're involving them for their specialist skills to bring the best and, yeah, it's sometimes hard to kind of admit that, isn't it, in a creative project or a creative process to say, look, I don't know about this mm. stuff. That's why we're employing you. So you you tell us what we should be doing. What's your perspective? And I think you're right. That gets to a point where you're producing better work. It's not only saying bringing us in and tell us what we should be doing. It's bring us in and take us on the journey with you, you know, we're here to help guide your vision musically. 
maybe you can't put it into words. We don't have to. We're making music. Yeah. You know, so um, let us help you with that. Rather than, uh, yeah, putting up this this ego persona that it should be one certain way and if it's not the way that you envisage it then it's going to be not quite right or bad but um these conversations need to be be opened up more and they should be more transparent during the creative process Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think also it is a generational thing of design advertising old school ways of working which have worked so let's not be critical about that they have worked and it's been very rewarding for lots of people and award-winning work has come from it. Mm. I guess what we're saying is that in this new generation of creative talent coming through, working with the older creative heavyweights of the industry, I think Graham Sturt called it veterans, which I think is a nicer word. Um, you're working alongside each other. And so those things of the heritage of advertising and creativity and the bravado, the arrogance, um, the heavy opinions are kind of counterintuitive to the new way of working. And I mean the new way of working in the creative sense where you have a new generation of people coming through who don't understand that because they've not seen or lived through that era or decades even, which means it has to be kind of done in a different way, doesn't it? It has to kind of relate to the people who are coming through to the ways of working that makes them come alive. Well, well, we give ourselves a lot of restrictions, whether it's budgets, timing, schedules. And I think with those restrictions comes fear. Fear that we don't have the time, we don't have the resources to create something wonderful. And that's not true. It's about being open with each other about it and allowing yourself some opportunity to maybe fall Mm -hmm. to get back up and so maybe it's easy to judge that didn't work um so we're not going to use them again that could be a a number of reasons could be that was an insane deadline we had three days not enough budget and started to spiral from the moment the job came in to the moment it went out and that's a pressure pot situation but sometimes the companies are judged in those pressure pot moments Can you describe a situation in your career where you had to deal with a self-inflated ego, that sort of BS mentality, and that overbearing bravado? How long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) My job is is talking about music 95% of the time. My biggest hurdle when dealing with self-inflated egos is getting people to open up to me about music, especially, and I'm sorry for all my wonderful men out there, especially the male ego when talking about music and from a female perspective, they know better, apparently. It, it, it creates an instant roadblock in the conversation and it just becomes serious very, very quickly. I've had many instances where I've tried to talk to a male creative about music and all he sees is the company I work for rather than the, the person in front of him who's had a whole world of experience in music before. Right. And that I struggle with Mm -hmm. because I also do not need to beg for someone to listen to me. Mm -hmm. It's more about just, I I don't know where the humanity is, especially when I started. Now it's, now it's a lot better because people, um, I've made my relationships within the industry. I've got to a comfortable place where I'm trusted. 
and uh, people respect my opinion and we can have really awesome conversations about music, about film, uh, about the process, how we can work together, how we can create cool shit. But it took a while to get there because of this roadblock that I, I kept hitting because they already yeah. knew everything about music and industry and, you know, also with a lot of these cool um, creative agencies and production companies, they do have amazing tastes, personal taste in music. Mm -hmm. They know like five composers and DJs and their mates are producers who make cool music. Mm -hmm. So part of me was a bit like, well, why did you agree to meet me yeah. in the first place if you weren't willing to just have a, a nice conversation and, mm -hmm. and discuss what's going on and what's changing? Mm -hmm. so that is still something that I, I'm trying to tackle. It's been, of course, a lot harder within the times of COVID. But I, I want to pick it up again because I think it is something that, that people in the industry need to realize is that they need to not be afraid to talk to people about the creative process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What you know, everyone loves podcasts. Apparently so. This is why we're here. We're having trying to have an open conversation about it, and people like these kinds of insights. So why not bring that into day to day relationship conversations with other peers or other people in the industry? Sometimes the common courtesy and realization that you're dealing with a person not a project or not a budget line or not a project deliverable has has got lost somewhere along the way and i think it's really interesting you're saying about within the lockdown and the covid pandemic people spending a lot more time at home they're actually being a lot more productive funnily enough um, mm. and it's helping them to realize what's important in life and that mindset is being put back into daily work ethic and how they're interacting with their colleagues people they're working with on specific projects and so maybe it sounds like things have softened mm -hmm. a little bit for the for the better it'd be nice to see that kind of attitude coming back into day-to-day -day work when people are back in the office whatever that looks like in the future um, and they don't forget this time period I think yeah, uh, it's definitely, I think everyone's been able to reflect a lot on what's important, like you said, um, and slow down, realize that actually human connection is very, very important, especially in these times. Yeah. I actually, the during COVID, took the time to reflect on what was working for me and what wasn't, and prioritizing those things. Even as small as if an email comes in past a certain time, I know it can wait till the morning because nothing's going to be done overnight. So why stress myself out about a client that is freaking themselves out and working till God knows what time of the morning? Yeah. I don't have to absorb those things mm. because that's not my working pattern. And when you set those boundaries for yourself, people accept them. Of course they do. They don't freak out. Everything is as normal in the morning. Yeah. Also realized that I needed to have something else to fuel my personal passions and keep me grounded. And I started a side hustle alongside my full-time job, you know, and that in itself um, fueled my energy with my day job because I was doing another passion and I was fueling different parts of my life and it was giving me all this new energy. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice to hear. I think a lot of people have gone into that, that same space mentally 
um, and, and you're right because I think your brain works in a way that it can't focus on the same thing over and over again for an intense time period actually you have to do something else which gives you a new sense of energy almost like a refresh to then come back at it mm-hmm. uh, the same project with a, a slightly different take on things or a new idea mm-hmm. um, so I think that's so helpful and and really um, really needed I think especially within yeah, lockdowns and, and pandemics otherwise you're just always on 24 7 um, so I think those boundaries totally helpful on a practical note when you have come up against bravado egos bs what do you try to put in place in terms of dealing with those people so you don't absorb and so you can function in your role I'm going to tell you a very short story great I had a random encounter about nine years ago with George Lamb and he said to me Cece there are two types of people in this world there are taps and there are drains and you my dear are a tap get rid of all the drains and I've actually kept that motto ever since that moment and started realizing quite quickly these two types of people. And I think it's an amazing realization actually to have this metaphor for the people that that give and encourage you, which is a tap and the drains that only take and are never aware of your presence in a creative sense and don't and don't encourage you. And I've tried to use that to navigate through the industry with the people I meet and figure out if they're a tap or a drain and if I have the energy to um, to entertain that conversation or not and whether it's going to be fruitful for something creative or whether it's going to be a process that leads to a burnout. I guess by having that criteria up front and that identification analogy enables you to filter <laughs> as we're on the tap analogy enables you to filter those people very quickly which helps you to put boundaries around yourself i know you love what you do so you bring your passion you put yourself into the work and so when those people are draining you it's kind of difficult to sometimes function i guess yeah and it just creates an instant block it's not encouraging for the creative process if someone is constantly um super critical suppressing things suppressing yeah pushing you down but i i think a lot of people also are very stuck on status of titles i mean when did everyone become so cynical you're right though it comes back to your analogy about the two different types of people there are creative leaders and individuals who are like taps and fill people up with positivity good vibes inspiration have you seen this have you watched that you should definitely check this out And then there's a different set of people who are like the drains who drain all your energy, make you feel like you've got nothing to contribute. But in reality, it's kind of, um, it's a bittersweet thing, isn't it? Because if you're a a creative director or an ECD and you're working with a junior art director and everything that's being shown is, seen that before, no, try this, no, that's, that's not great. I uh, saw that back in 1998. You've just got that, the latest DNA Daniel. 
for that person in that moment, they're going to be completely closed down. But this is where the veterans conversation comes back into play. Yeah. Where people who've been in the industry longer should use this opportunity to then guide the next generation, mm -hmm. guide mm -hmm. them in the right direction, um, rather than putting it down straight away because that generation is going to come up behind you is not going to make it if they're not guided in the right way of how to reevaluate rework okay what isn't working how can we change that to make it work i feel sorry for the creators in ad agencies who have to make 25 treatments get half of them ripped up and there's no there's no discussion about mm. also what's not working yeah. because people need to learn and develop and grow and um that's something i'm very thankful for at, at massive actually yeah. is they've really allowed me to discover what works for me and what doesn't mm -hmm. and and help me along the way with learning how to maneuver mm -hmm. and learning how to utilize my strengths within music so that people understand where we're going. Yeah. So I think people need to become more growth leaders. Yeah, I totally agree. I've, I've read a lot of content recently with ex-creative directors I've worked with in the past through to some podcasts or editorial content. There's an article talking about pressure, pressure, pressure. Why is there so much pressure? in advertising and creative things the more the more i dwell on these things the more i realize actually it's it's more about getting out of the way in my later years in in the industry i've become a lot more well laid back wanting to know what the team thinks wanting to know their opinion and stepping out of the way rather than stepping in i think it's more about empowering people to bring their best and wanting to know their opinion and it's the challenge of being yeah, a senior leader in the industry is stepping back in order for the younger generation and younger creatives to to step forward and bring their best so it's, it's a constant challenge i think what advice do you have for young creatives or musicians wanting to break into the creative industry surround yourself with people who encourage you try to get a feel for that quite early on when applying to uh, a new a new job or um, a new company because that is so important. The culture that you surround yourself with, is this gonna help you grow as a creative? Create from the gut, create from the heart, believe in yourself. I mean, it sounds a bit cheesy, but it really doesn't matter if you fail as long as you keep trying. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've had to learn a little bit later is a belief in myself. I mean, I've never formally trained as a musician i didn't go to university i don't have a degree so like who would hire someone with no formal training or a degree but i've landed on my feet every single step of the way mm -hmm. i came in eager i came in with knowledge of my own with own personal life experiences and with the right team and with the right culture you're embraced so yeah i'm gonna be cheesy and say you just got to keep believing in it and pursuing what you're good at yeah belief in yourself is primary obviously which is hard i know that because i live in a house with another creative and it's a constant battle every day mm. with am i good enough mm -hmm. i know that is the most common theme within the creative industry is am i good enough it's the bullshit that's going on in our minds which is often our biggest downfall the saboteur yeah it's true though isn't it i mean there's bullshit in the industry but actually the most bullshit that's going on is in our minds and you know what most of the time it's not actually true yeah but we get wrapped up and caught up in this mindset which takes us out of the knees 
and discourages it's that that record that just keeps playing you're listening to some of that bullshit which maybe a phrase was said to you in a conversation in a in a review or a client meeting that stuck with you and you've taken that on board yeah i'd encourage anyone to kind of just just reach out to someone who is in your peer be it a university or you're starting your career and there's a young colleague started at the same time just to have a kind of create a mentorship buddy in a way almost like a filter to hey someone said this to me and i don't know quite know how to take it what do you what do you think am i thinking this is the right perspective so often we kind of absorb everything and sometimes that that absorption is the wrong kind of things it should be positive things um, that you can bring to your work because everything's done digitally now so i'm having conversations throughout my entire day with with my colleagues about projects about the creative process and there'll be times when i'll type something and say something on one of our channels and there won't be a reply and i will be going over and over if what i said was okay if someone was offended by my comment if what if my critique so to say was too negative and they're going to be saying something about me to someone else or disagreeing with me and not being open about it in those situations i've learned that actually confronting the people you're talking to and saying, was this okay? Did you understand it? Um, do you agree with me? But opening up the conversation about it, if it's stressing you out, actually helps better than having that inner dialogue. Yeah. How do you think creative people can fuel and ignite bolder thinking in their day-to-day creative roles? Um, believing in your ideas. That's how we can move away from the bullshit. I mean, it's less about selling a product now and it's about mm-hmm. selling stories of people. It's about connecting to consumer in a way where they are relatable. It's touching. Ultimately then creating work that really connects emotionally with people. Yes, and um, music is the perfect tool for that. It's the only universal language we have. And it cuts straight into those emotions. It cuts straight into those memories. Yeah. I mean, there is that statistic, which I still have ingrained in my mind from my days at Massive Music, which is that sound cuts through up to 20% quicker than anything visual. Because it is emotive, isn't it? It really cuts to the heart to make people feel something. It can make or break a film, in my mind. Yeah. So if we're talking about creating bolder work, can you give an example how you put that bolder mindset and bolder thinking into place recently you've talked about collaboration with clients who give you the space the time the freedom to bring your a game in a project have you got an example you could maybe talk about yes actually something recently we were asked to pitch on a a global campaign it's a really beautiful treatment three great storylines after the briefing they were expecting us to just supply a couple of demos this treatment deserves much more than that it deserves us to delve into a concept so i spent three weeks in the studio with one of our producers coming up with this concept and making sounds and finding reference tracks and finding old classical compositions and checking out weird instruments from um like the 1800s and and thinking about how we could connect them make a red thread 
And it was really rewarding, just the process in itself, whether we won the pitch or not. That For me at that point, it wasn't important. It was just really getting stuck into the idea. And because of our efforts that went in, they trusted us 1000% and they kept calling us about what we would do, what should we present. And that has never happened to me before in four years where they've constantly asked us for our opinion and what we should do. It was so special to finally have a collaborative voice and be respected. And in having that, there was sort of this huge mm. mutual mm. respect and, and joy during the whole process. And it was a long process, but it was never stressful. Yeah. Because the, the communication was there, the collaboration was there, and you felt valued. Yeah. We didn't feel like suppliers. We felt like music creatives because that's what we are. You know, if, the, if people can let go of certain aspects of their project, of their babies, then you can really make the whole process a lot more enjoyable and a lot more free. Yeah, and you also get people just investing more of themselves in something because it turns away from a job into something you're loving doing well yeah it didn't feel like a job an incredibly privileged position to get paid for doing something you love yeah and this is one of those very rare projects where i felt like i can't believe this is my job yeah it was so much freedom mm -hmm. and um yeah and also awesome to work with like really fucking open-minded cool creatives mm -hmm. i can't wait to work with them again i mean there's a very very common theme that once you empower people to bring their a game to projects and you give them the space and the time and you value their opinion and as you say there's a reason why you bring people into a process it enables a better outcome well, fundamentally it's a better product it's a better spot it has been made with blood sweat and tears and lots of late nights and it comes across in the final deliverable which ultimately that's what we want to do isn't it we want to create better work that connects with people back to your brand comment and so you have to if you want to connect with people you have to really connect with people through the process well this has been a really really insightful session and as i find with all these episodes i could talk to you all afternoon but i just want to thank you for your time opening up your home i think there's a lot of rich material in here to really inspire people i'm going to try and wrap not musically because that would be just weird now this is a story all about how <laughs> there is a lot of bs in the industry for sure but i think having this different mindset from a newer generation or even to have a different mindset if you're an agency veteran um positivity and empowerment of people cutting through the noise and having a different point of view tearing bullshit up basically to have that bolder way of working that bolder mindset to do bolder creative work can only come through collaboration and making people feel good so it shouldn't be about ego it should be all about the team yeah this has been really a fun one again thank you yeah thank you alex for having me today it's been a pleasure to talk to you about this subject and i think if people can navigate through the industry and not feed into the bullshit and focus on the boldness of their work it's going to be uh, an incredible journey of enlightenment and creative coolness man i mean there's so much cool shit that we can achieve after a year like we've had yeah we are in a different era of creativity and it is the time to be bold and i think there's some very exciting things on the horizon for brands for agencies 
for creative people. So this has been awesome. Yeah, and I'm just going to leave it with the listeners to ask yourselves, are you a tap or are you a drain? And by the way, you're a tap. (laughs) (laughs) Phew. With a filter on it, because only the best water is filtered. A Brita filter. Not sponsored by Brita. Thanks for having me, Alex. My pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by the Department of Proactiveness and was recorded in accordance with the social distancing rules. If you are a brand interested in sponsoring future episodes of DOPA or you simply want to get in touch, please email info at thedopa.com.